0: Thank you so much for being with us. I'm so I'm excited about the Christmas season. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. I'm going to find something to set this stuff down on here. Wow, I feel like I'm going back to a pulpit here. Goodness gracious, Pastor Abby, could you grab that? This one is uh, got the spirit of Pentecost on it. Christian jokes. Goodness gracious. Luke chapter 1, as we dive into week 2 of our series, um, I, I really, I mean, I knew that the, the Holy Spirit kind of gave a direction to change up the series uh, this month and going into what we have del- what we were going into, um, the flurry that can be the holiday season plans or lack thereof, the people or the lack thereof, the just numbers of things that people are dealing with. Um, it, it can feel like a blizzard. And so when we talk about the storms in life, I, I figured there was no better word other than blizzard, especially for us Michiganders, uh, to describe what storms look like. Because sometimes when you're going through the storm, you can't see in front of you. You can't see what's around you. It gets over, You get overwhelmed by the sensations of what you are dealing with. And so blizzard seems to fit. And really over the course of 48 hours, I just getting text messages and emails and conversations with people People that last week just resonated in their spirit and feel like God is stirring up something. Uh, next month, we get into our annual vision series. Creating vision during a pandemic is always a challenge. So we're going to get into our vision series. February, we're going to do a series called The Culture of Blessing. And we're going to establish a culture of blessing at K-First. And then in March, going into Easter, we're going to do a series called The Room Where It Happened and we're gonna preach a message about the day of Pentecost, and we're gonna dive into Pentecost for the month of March, and let that set the pace going into Easter Sunday. So let's read. I'm gonna read out of my KJV. My parents bought me this Bible in 1988. I know that because they wrote the date. Um, I had lost my Bible. My dad took a position at a church, and so we left our former church that we were driving an hour away to, and God gave him a position as an associate pastor, and I lost my Bible at the last church, got, so he bought me a new Bible. Why KJV for a 12-year-old, I do not know, but it is what it is, and decided to read from it today. Uh, this Bible has always been very meaningful to me, and so I thought, today, let's read uh, part of the Christmas story and our text for today out of that. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man uh, whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. I love that. Hail thou that art highly favored, underline that, that's important. The Lord is with thee, and underline this, blessed art thou amongst, amongst women. We're gonna focus on that word blessed today. That, I think that's a very key word, uh, not because we're gonna be preaching that in the month of February, uh, but I wanna talk about being blessed. Not talk about blessing others, and that's good, or receiving a blessing from somebody, that's good as well. But I wanna talk about the blessing of God resting upon us. Jesus, I thank you for the, t- the day you have given us. We rejoice, we are glad in it. I thank you for the spirit of worship in this place and ask that today that you would develop an anticipation for what you're wanting to speak in our lives because our desire is to not uh, come here at at K-First or to sign on a live stream and, and, and experience something beautiful or wonderful and walk away the same way that we entered into it. But we want transformation. We desire change. And so we say, Spirit of God, here we are. We are available, completely, wholly available unto you. So guide us, lead us, and I pray, bless us today. In your name we pray. Amen. And bless the lions and not the packers. Amen. Uh, one of the most renowned composers in all of history, one of the most renowned composers in all of history is Beethoven. And perhaps, I don't think it's his most popular, but maybe uh, could be his second most popular uh, work that, he's, that he has done. Is called the Fifth Symphony. Uh, you know what I talk about with the Fifth Symphony? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know why I needed to do the fingers um, and act like I'm a piano player. I'm a trumpet player, but that doesn't work. Um, but he is, could be one of the greatest, if not the greatest. I personally am a Mozart guy. Um, but Beethoven, just one of the best of all time. And it was really widely known about Beethoven himself that he recognized his gifts, but he loved God and he wanted to make sure that the gifts that he possessed went to honor God and to glorify God. And so when we talk about going through storms in life, we could talk, talk about going through challenging seasons, seasons that can just blow and flurry around us with activity and challenges. We could say that Beethoven himself went through one of those seasons. And in fact, it's widely known that in his 20s, that this great, amazing, that, I mean, the astronomical level of his talent is just off the chart he began to lose his hearing. Now, I don't know about you, but if you are a musician, the thing that you don't want to lose is your hearing. You would think that has to do with... um, being able to hear things, and then being able to, be able to put that out there. Um, I don't know if you've ever known anybody to be tone deaf. Uh, some of you sing around people that are tone deaf. Don't raise your hands. Don't look at anybody. Don't nudge anybody. Um, I, I think my family moves away from me when I sing. I love to sing. I love to make music with my mouth. I, 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 you know what? I actually miss playing my trumpet. There's just something about playing music, but Beethoven, gifted by God, blessed by God with this amazing talent, and yet he began to go through this massive blizzard, so to speak, where he starts losing his hearing. And it said this, as, as his deafness was increasing, what he ended up doing was he took his piano and he cut the legs off of his piano and put his piano on the ground. And what he would do is he would begin to think through the melodies and think through the harmonies and he would lay on the ground, put his ear to the ground and start playing the piano because what he wanted to do was match up what was happening deep inside of him with the things, with the vibrations that were coming through the piano. I mean, imagine walking in the worship center, watching Pastor Abby laying on the ground, and she's plunking away, trying to listen to what is being played, what is being done. This was Beethoven. And out of this season, wrap your head around this, out of this season of losing his hearing, he wrote the me—the the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth symphony through this blizzard. His great music was doing more than coming through a talent that he had with his fingers, but something deeper was happening inside of him. And it was producing something beautiful. So again, he wrote four other symphonies while going through this loss of hearing. And he also wrote Piano Santonas, the Missia Salmanas, and the five-string quartets. And by the age 56, he was completely deaf. But it was at the age 56 that he wrote perhaps his greatest work of them all, Symphony Number 9. We know it this time of year as The Ode to Joy. The Ode to Joy came out of his deafness. The removal of his hearing, yes, it sparked the end of one season, but I, I would challenge you to think of it this way. It began a brand new season. It was almost like God was trying to get him to develop something, not by something that he always knew, but by something that was deep down inside of him. Hear me now. I believe that God wants to produce something within our lives, not by what we see, but what he has put inside of us. We can look at this year. And if people say, just scrap 2020, just scrap 2020, just scrap this year. This year is miserable. And now listen, we can go by what we see and we can go by what has crumbled around us. But I wonder if we can call this year, not the year of hell, but the year of Beethoven, where God can produce something in us. We may have had things taken away, but perhaps God who has put his spirit inside of us wants to grow something out of that and to produce something great. To produce an ode to joy. Boy, if there's something I'm praying as an anointing upon the big C church, the global church today, it's not an ode to complain. God, give us an ode to joy. That we would look at this time of year and we would sing the song, joy to the world. The Lord not is gonna come, he has come. And I believe he's gonna come again. But our joy doesn't come when Jesus shows up again. His joy is in us right now. This is our ninth symphony. This, my friends, is our ode to joy. That would have been a great title of the message today, Ode to Joy. And that brings me to this place where I wanted to talk to you about being blessed. And now, when I ask, I've asked a lot of people this past week. I called people up. I was texting people. I was texting friends of mine, uh, just other ministers. I'm like, how do you define the words blessing of God? I know what it's like to be blessed by people. I know what it's like to bless people. I enjoy blessing people. Uh, This past October for... um, for pastor appreciation, uh, somebody got Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan to write me a personal letter and it's on the wall in my office. And I just, I'm shocked, I'm just blessed, bless me. But that's not what I'm talking about today. What does it mean to have the blessing of God rest upon you or to have the blessing of God upon you? And so I started calling up people and, and the most common response that I got from people is this, I don't know. I mean, ponder on that. How do you define the blessing of God resting upon you? How, how do you? how do you wrap your head around that? Because it's so much more than what we have done in the American world and the American Christianity is we said it's health and wealth. In fact, it was a couple about a month and a half ago. I had a local pastor I had never met before. Uh, served I think on the northeast side of Kalamazoo, and he's doing a series on the different doctrines of Christianity. And he says, yeah, he goes, "I wanted to meet a Pentecostal." I said, "We're going to talk about like whips. Um, like uh, whips? Do we have whips? Um, snakes?" Um, Swing on chandeliers. He goes, well, that could come up. And so we just started talking about that. And I knew the question was coming up, but about halfway through the, the podcast and the broadcast, he says, what do you think about the prosperity gospel? And I just kind of dropped my head. I said, they are making it so hard on us believers because they are manipulating it into something that it's not. Some of us think the American dream is the God dream, and that could be furthest from the truth. I don't think God doesn't want you to be wealthy or healthy. I think he wants you to be healthy, but there is so much more to the blessing of God than money in your pockets. There's so much more to the blessing of God than money in your account, and I want you to be a good steward. But I, be, I think we've Americanized the, the, the gospel. We've Americanized blessing. That, man, this person, they are more blessed than me because they've got better cars, if they've got bigger houses, or they've got more substance. And I think that we have missed out because if you have traveled the world, you'd realize that if you own a vehicle right now, that you are in the top 6% of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it has nothing to do with just the blessing of God. And so I begin to ponder and chew on this, and this is what I have come up with. And it's not on the screens and it's not on your U version notes. I just wrote down these words The blessing of God is this the received favor of God. The received favor of God. See, some of us don't even realize the favor of God is just, that God's favor wants to be poured upon our lives. God's favor, it really wants to rest upon our lives. But the question is, is are we willing by faith to receive it from him? And that definition didn't come from imagination. Honestly, it came from here. First, see me, Luke chapter one says this. It says, it says that the angel came unto her and said, what? Hail thou that art, what? Highly favored. The Lord is with you, blessed art thou amongst women. You're highly favored, but the true question the angel was really asking Mary is this, is listen, you have the favor, but are you willing to receive the favor? Do you have, the favor is there, but are you willing to receive it? We stop, we have to stop generalizing blessed and begin to take in this idea that God's blessing is ready for us to grasp it. The blessing on our marriage and the blessing on our our personal lives, the blessings on our parenting, the blessing on our jobs. But the reality is, is are we willing to embrace it to receive it? And how do I know that you're gonna embrace it and receive it? It's because you're going to begin to live it out in every aspect of your life. And according to our Americanized blessing, nothing about the story of Mary seems blessed. If you read the script of especially the first part of her life that we know about, we, we wouldn't say this was a blessed life because when we think about a blessed life, if we're gonna script out a blessed life, it's something like Hallmark. It, you have a couple minor challenges, but all of a sudden everything just works itself out. But what about Mary, seems blessed. She is pregnant out of wedlock. She has to take a treacherous journey to Bethlehem to be where her husband's family is from. Out of fear of her child being killed, they have to be refugees fleeing to another country and have to hide out there a while before they can even come back when things are safe so their child's life wouldn't be ended. And if you really wanna fast forward through it, she has to watch her son get crucified. And then everyone else, if we're thinking that's the blessed life, everyone in the room's gonna say, we're not signing up for that. A blessed life has nothing to do with the hallmark idea of life, a life of perfection or a life where everything goes well. But I've had people say things to me that are the most furthest things in the gospel truth. Pastor, you're going through this thing. Is there something that you've done? Is there something that you've committed? Is there a sin that you've committed? Let me tell you this and let, me, let this ring true. That you can go through a rough time that doesn't have to have anything to do with sin and perhaps has something to do with the fact that we live in a broken world. And there's some things that we cause, and there's some things that we don't cause. I got to live Oh, This is so beautiful. I got to lead someone to Jesus a couple weeks ago. It was a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful thing. And she says, why do all these things happen? I said, really? Number one, broken world. Number two, some things that we did out of our stupidity. And the mixture of that creates the gamut of life that we deal with right now. But we can be of good cheer, because even in the midst of the mess, Emmanuel comes and is with us and wants to bless us in this moment. But the blessings of God, that favor of God has to be received and we have to understand it so that we can live it out. And so today I want to help you understand the blessing of God. And what is it How do we live in the blessing of God? How do we handle the blessing of God? How do we understand the blessing of God? I'm going to helpfully answer that question today. So I'm gonna put up a list here. I'm gonna give you seven things, seven observations about the blessing of God. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the blessing of God is not always convenient. The blessing of God is not always convenient. Sometimes the blessings of God come at the, at the most inconvenient or inconvenient, not sure the grammar there, Unconvenient moments of your life. God does not wait for life to be convenient for him to come in and say, is this a good time to show up in your life? Is this a good time to bless your life? Is this a good time to challenge you? Are you good with this? I'll come back later when you're in a better mood. The blessings of God is they're not always convenient, but I think that it was what happens in the American church today, that we have preached a different gospel where we love the idea of going the church. But what we love even better is we love Jesus following us as opposed to us following Jesus. And we've turned Jesus into this idea that he is a consumer driven Jesus, that the customer is always right. We're the customers and we are always right. God is some galactic uh, jukebox for us to play the songs that we want him to play. But I want you to understand that when it comes to the blessing of God, the blessing of God does not come on your life when it's convenient. In fact, many times the blessing of God will make your life with a lack of convenience. Let me prove a point here. I challenge you this week for seven days straight to wake up in the morning and before you go to work, before you go to school, before you do anything at all, pray this simple prayer, Jesus, this week, teach me patience. That's a lot of groans in the room. Some of the best things that God will do in your life will not be on your schedule. The convenient, God is not worried about your convenience. He's worried about your availability. It's all about going after God. How about this? Jesus, this week, help me to practice forgiveness. Why is that important to pray? Why is it important to pray for God to give you help with your patience? Because don't ever pray something if you're unwilling to receive it. Because if you're gonna pray for patience, God, guess what he's gonna give you? opportunities to practice patience. If you wanna practice forgiveness, God will take you to West Nidge and you will have to practice forgiveness. You will find moments where God's gonna practice it uh, in your life because God does not work on your convenience. There are sometimes the blessings of God that come slower than you want in ways that you did not expect. But there are times in my life when I look back in hindsight, I realize that God didn't abandon me. He just nudged me and pushed me forward because something could only come out of my life with that change. Challenge, which leads me to number two. The blessings of God will often complicate your life. The blessings of God will often complicate your life. I love the words of Mark Batterson. He's an amazing assembly of God pastor out in Washington, D.C. He says this: Sin will complicate your life in negative ways, but the blessings of God will complicate your life in positive ways. Let me give you an example. Singles, anybody single in the house, you want to know how to complicate your life? get married. One of the most complicated things I did in my single life was I got married, and, and it's not a bad complication, but on May 23rd, 1998, yes, I got the date right. I know my dates here. When I got married, guess what happened when the ring got put on the finger? It complicated the single-minded Dave into married-minded Dave. And the way that I lived for the previous 22 years, now granted those first one through 10 years were just not a lot of complications at all, but it really messed up any single mindedness that I had to do and I took on a new mind. So a complicated life. In the first four years of our marriage, we had two complications. One called Cameron, one called Ethan. Am I saying they're back complications? Not whatsoever, because that was my dream in life was to be a dad. Since first grade, I promise you my dream was to be in the NFL and to be a dad. And I gave up one and I accepted the other. Didn't really give it up, but you know what I'm talking about. But they complicated life in a beautiful way that I would never change anything. All right, Let's let's maybe take it to just the general realm, success. Some of you are praying that God would bless your success at work, but how many of you know that when you begin to take a step on the corporate ladder, or you begin to take a step up in responsibility, life does not get easier. It begins to complicate your life, because every level you grow and try to rise will complicate your normal life. And it's why I truly believe this, that a blessing and a burden can be easily confused because they're both heavy. A blessing. Some of us, we look at burdens in our life and we just think them as burdens there to crush us. But I wonder if there are blessings in our life that seem like they're in disguise because in the moment and the blizzard we're living in, we can't distinguish what they are. I will tell you this, my first five years of ministry, I will tell you what pure hell in my life misery in my life. My wife will remind me all the time that if it wasn't for those five years, I'm telling you, it wasn't for those five years, Joel Stocker, Pastor Joel Stocker, would not have even considered me for a position in in, in mid-Michigan. And Joel told me, he told me flat out, I'm only interviewing you because of where you're at. I'm only interviewing you. And I remember thinking, what does that, what did that matter? But they, wrap your head around this. I remember hearing from a search committee member here at K-First that said, man, we're considering you because we know the reputation of Pastor Stocker and of the church, and we wanted to see the product out of that, and when I look at, I can look at those five years, and I can despise five years of brokenness, five years of struggle, but I'm here to tell you this, that sometimes you can look at things as burdens, but some of those burdens were storms that were actually trying to form something out of your life, that some of those things I went through, I never Ask for, but this is where God comes into our mess, and it creates a beautiful message out of our lives. So the, the blessing of God resting on your life, the favor of God, it can, it can. Not, it, sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's complicated. But thirdly, sometimes the blessing of God is not immediately realized. Sometimes it's not immediately realized. Sometimes you don't realize it was blessing until you get to the other side of the opposition. Some of us don't realize the season we're in, how good it was till we got to the other side. I don't know what that was. The other side of the opposition. Some of you, your next blessing is on the edge of your frustration. Keep pushing through. It's what Winston Churchill said, is, is when you're going through hell, don't stop, keep pushing through, because there is blessing on the other side. I'll never forget what my wife said. She was reading something on Instagram, and she looked over at me a couple days ago, and she said, could it be, could it be the year that we're all despising, could it be the greatest year of blessing that we've ever seen, because God's gonna bring something out of us in this. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be that when we get to February and we preach about establishing a culture of blessing in in a nation that seems like we're struggling financially and struggling to to get to get reconnected again, could it be that when we get to March and we're preaching about the, the, the room, the Pentecost room where it happened, that we see an outbreak of the presence of God like we've never seen it before, all because we learned something in 2020 that says that we can't rest upon what we always knew. We have to go back to the one whose blessing is being poured out upon us. Number four, the blessing of God creates responsibility. The blessings of God creates responsibility that whatever God does in me, he calls me to steward. Because I believe that the blessing of God resting upon your life is like a seed. It's ready to be opened up, to be realized. And when you engage obedience with that seed, you begin to see the harvest of what that seed holds. For some of you here, the blessed, maybe God blessed your life. God has had his blessing on your life. He's kind a calling upon your life. And you know what, I, I, I hear that all the time. I've got a calling on my life, and my question is, what are you doing? How are you engaging that seed? How are you discipling or being discipled? How are you stepping into an everyday walk with the Lord? How are you you engaging your community and serving the people around you? When you are blessed by God, you do more than sit on a Sunday, it creates a responsibility because you see the world as a mission that needs to be engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number five, the blessing of God begets generosity. The blessing of God begets generosity because what God has given to me and what God has given to you is never to hoard. It is to get and release. I catch it and I release. I catch and release. Some of you fishermen are being blessed right now. Catch and release, catch and release. You're catching something in order to release it because God always blesses you so that you could be a blessing. God will not bless you just so you can step back and say, look how blessed I am. God blesses you to be a blessing. It was uh, three weeks ago or two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I got a call from Pastor Thomas Finley. This is so cool. Pastor Thomas Finley, he preached here last October and he he calls up, he goes, goes, Uncle Dave, I gotta tell you, He calls me Uncle Dave because his little boy Titus, when they, he calls me Uncle David when are we going to go see Uncle David again? He goes, who's your Uncle David? You don't have Uncle David. He goes, remember that nice guy that let us stay in the hotel and eat pizza? That's my Uncle David. I'm like, oh. So Pastor Thomas calls him Uncle David now. And he's like, Uncle David, let me tell you. Let me tell you. He says, we have been able to help people. He goes, we got a lot of small churches in our area. We've been able to help them find equipment, locate equipment, and get their live streams going better to produce things. And he says, and when they can't afford equipment, they're coming into our church. Pastor Thomas has got a smaller church as well. And this, I love what he said. He says, do you know why we can do this? He says, because your sound man called me back. And he shared with us what you guys are able to do on your budget and how we're able to kind of learn the tricks in the trade. And all of a sudden I began to go back to when Joel Stockard, was transitioning me here. The last thing he said to me is this, he says, whatever you received at this church, it wasn't for you to go and to hoard, it's to go and to give because what God freely gives, you have to freely give it out as well. And when I look at what we have developed in this church and what God has really done, I look at what Kurt did, who Kurt is up in our sound booth, he runs our tech, he does such an amazing job. What did he do is he caught that vision and says, we've got something and we've got a blessing and God doesn't have us have a blessing so we can have a storehouse. He has us as a blessing to be a place where we can keep pouring it out. And because he poured it out to Pastor Thomas, Pastor Thomas has then poured it out to other churches. You know what's going to keep happening? They're going to keep pouring it out because that's what happens when people receive the blessing of God. It's generosity. It's leads me to number six. The blessings of God will move you to transformation because what God gives you is there to change you. God's blessing doesn't rest upon you to help bedazzle your life to stay the same. Some of us want the blessings of God with zero intention of change. I think you are robbing yourself and God of the the glory that he wants to get. He doesn't come to bedazzle your life. He comes to transform you. From Saul to Paul, from Simon to Peter, from David to David. All right, so now everybody's names got changed. Even though people's names didn't get changed, you know what happened? Their lives changed. Change, and we're transformed. And that brings us now back to our sister Mary. We have this amazing announcement that would have shaken the foundation of who she is. And Pastor Abbey, if you don't come play, I'm gonna be preaching forever this morning. Mary has this response. Verse 29, she saw him She was troubled at his saying, and I love how the KGV says this, and she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Look at those four words. The KGV is so wild. She cast in her mind. Write those four words down. Do you know what it means? I didn't until earlier this week. Cast in her mind. Those words are actually, it's a Greek word that has two meanings to it. Her response is wrapped up in these two meanings. First of all, cast in her mind is a Greek word that means argument. She argued with God. Has anybody in the house ever argued with God? Besides me, I'll be the first to raise my hand. Everyone's like looking around. Is anybody else gonna raise their hand? I think we've all argued with God. I, listen, I don't think God's ever worried that you're arguing with him. You no, know what worries me is when I win arguments with God. Because when I win arguments with God, I end up losing. But when I lose arguments with God, I end up winning. How do I win arguments with God? Is when I ignore him and want to go do my own thing. But here, Mary has this moment. Almost like deep prayer. I think that's where I argue with God is my prayer life. And where she... Let's the argument go in order to draw in. The second word, uh, the second way to translate this Greek word is to reason thoroughly, consider carefully, and to think deeply. This is Beethoven here, where Mary realizes in this moment the season's changing. Something just shifted, and I can't do life the way I did before this. And so she goes and she draws, like Beethoven drew from a deeper place. This isn't the first time because we read in Luke chapter 2 that Mary pondered these things in her heart. This girl was a deep thinker. This girl was a girl that that just allow what the angel said to shake her. I can imagine a bit of an argument. I think that we deify Mary instead of humanize her and realize that in this moment, she might've argued, why me, why me, why me? Can't you pick somebody else? Why Can't you pick a married couple already so I'm not gonna be disgraced? Can't you do this? Can't you do that? But in a moment, she just leans into the Lord and she goes through this argument moment, goes through this deep consideration and we get to the crux of it all in verse 38 when she says, Behold, I, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I love how she says that. In other words, Lord, if it's good for you, it's always going to be good for me. And it leads me to my, my last step here. I love that she gave a faith filled yes to the Lord. She gave a faith filled yes. She cast her mind and she gave a faith filled yes. Yes, unto the Lord. And that leads me to my seventh thought about blessing. The blessings of God without a heart of gratitude will quickly turn to pride. Her response from the favor of God resting upon her life, the favor of God, I mean, look at this list. This blessing of God was not convenient. It was gonna complicate things. It's not, it wasn't gonna be immediately realized. It created responsibility. It would beget generosity because she'd have to give up her son. The blessing of God had to move her into transformation. And she walked away. If you read the rest of the chapter, the rest of the chapter goes into a song of Mary called the Magnificant. It's a Latin word that means to magnify. And she goes into a place of gratitude because it was all about what the Lord desired. I was reading a story about a, a sculptor from the late 15th century. His name is Agostino Di Duccio. And he started working on a huge block of marble and he got frustrated with this marble and he was so frustrated with it that he abandoned it in the corner of his studio. And a couple years later, an, another sculptor kind of came on the scene. He looked at the piece of, of marble that had been barely chipped It had been barely attended to. And he said, the marble quality is so poor, I won't even attempt it. And so that piece of marble sat there for 40 years until a 26-year-old came and somebody said, could you do something with this? And this 26-year-old, his name was Michelangelo, not the Ninja Turtle, but the actual artist. He looked at it and he began to see not what it was, but what it could be. And now we have perhaps the most famous sculpture in history, which is David. And that sculpture was there because somebody, instead of throwing away potential, they embraced the opportunity. They looked and said, it's scrap, it's worthless. But in the eyes of somebody that had favor on their life, they looked and said, something can be created. Art can be created. Majesty can be created. But for that to be created, I have to not just have favor on my life, I have to be willing to work it. And the question for all of us, and this is the prayer this week, it's not just, are we willing just to receive the favor of God on our lives this week? I'm gonna ask you to pray this week. God, would you pour your favor upon my life this week? But, but don't just pray that prayer, begin to work it. Begin to work the favor of God. As God gives you opportunities to live out the gospel, begin to live it out. As God begins to work in your life, begin to live it out. Because don't ever pray for the blessings of God if you're not willing to work it. Why? This year is not done. And what I see in my spirit is a block of marble that other people may have given up, but that's not going to be us. Because I look and I say, this is our time. This is our opportunity for us to attack this year and to attack this season. And we can hang our heads up, down and worry, or we can do exactly what scripture challenges us, challenges us to do is when the blizzards get the worst, that we are to lift up our eyes because they're our redemption lies. The power is, the miracle has happened. I'm gonna pray over you and then Kyle's gonna wrap up the service. But I'm gonna pray this, is that this week, I'm praying that you would receive the favor of God. And not just like this warm blanket rusts over you and you get all these funny feelings. I'm talking about that. You would just realize God's favor is on your life. A good friend of mine called me yesterday at the climbing gym. He's like, listen, I got it. He says, says, Dave, it's not that God doesn't want to give favor. God's favor is resting upon his people. It's just, it's an identity issue. It's Mary realizing I'm the servant of God and I will do whatever he says and give him a faith-filled yes. If people can just understand who they are in Jesus, they'll not just receive it, but they'd be ready to live it out. So by your heads. Spirit of God, I ask right now that the favor of God, the realized favor of God would rest upon people that you would do the miraculous today. And right now I just I just I feel led if you're here today, maybe you're watching on live stream, maybe you are just in person, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is maybe today your life feels like that hunk of marble sitting in the corner, wishing and waiting that something could be made of it. Maybe today you're looking at your life and you're realizing that in the in the hands of in your own hands, that maybe nothing is gonna come of it that has eternal value, but you're recognizing today that if you put your life into the hands of the master sculptor if you put your life into the hands of Jesus today, if you're here today and if you're realizing if you did that, that all of a sudden life transforms because you're gonna to begin to find life. You're gonna to begin to discover life. You're gonna to begin to realize life. And maybe today you're not in a relationship with Jesus, but you need to step into that. If that's you today and you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to do exactly what Mary did. Would you give Jesus a faith-filled Yes. That's all she told the angel. That's all she told the Lord. And she said it in the King James: I'm, "I'm the maid of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. Whatever you say goes." But here, let's put it in today's vernacular. Would you simply say yes to Jesus? Jesus, yes. I say yes to you, and I place my life in your hands. I place my heart the trust of my future. And today I receive your blessing on my life and help me to realize it, help me to receive it and help me to put it to work to see your glory shine. Lord, I pray over everyone who's listening, everybody who's watching today. I speak into homes right now, the favor of God. I speak in the broken lives, the favor of God. I speak into bedrooms where people are watching, the favor of God. If, if people are, are listening to podcasts this week and they're driving in their car and maybe they're worried about the meeting that they're on their way to, maybe they're on their way to uh, an appointment, God. Maybe there are friends and family here who have COVID and they're dealing with it and they're listening right now. I pray to speak, oh Lord, Holy Spirit, I speak the favor of God to invade rooms, hospital rooms come into hearts and I know it won't be the most convenient time but I think it'll be the most transformative time that you can do exactly what we're saying today you would turn mourning into dancing sorrow into joy chaos into peace that you would breathe into the blizzard and bring blessing out of the blizzard I speak that in the only name I know to trust in, in Jesus name amen